In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As God's children, we are people of hope and not people of fear. In fact, we get to look at the worst things in this world, and we get to defy them. We get to turn to them and remind them that they have no power or authority over us. And even in verse 38 of Romans 8 that we just read, St. Paul is going to list out all the things for us. These are all the things that the people of the world are afraid of, but that which we, as Christians, need not fear. He writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, he pretty much covers everything we might be afraid of, doesn't he? Are we afraid of death? Are we afraid of living? Are we afraid of the supernatural? Are we afraid of the natural? Are we afraid of the authorities of this world? Are you afraid because of the circumstances of your life right now? Are you afraid about your anxieties of what might happen in the future? Are you afraid because of what's going on with your family, with your neighbors, even with your enemies? And Paul lists it all out for us. And he tells us, he reminds us, that none of these things have power over us. Because none of these things will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. These are the things we can defy with one simple sentence. I belong to God. That's the confidence we hold as Christians. We belong to God. And so we can face all of the troubles of this world and say, you do not own me. And this is what Paul is getting at. He is saying, Christian, you can live hopefully and confidently, not because you have some great power inside of yourself to face this world, but you can do so because God claims you. And if Jesus Christ is for us, what in this world can stand against us? And so we get to live in defiance of the powers of this world. And so as we work through the end of Romans chapter 8, we'll see that Paul tells us to base this confidence in three things. First, we live in hope in this world because the spirit who resides in us intercedes for us. What Paul says here is that we do not know how to pray as we ought. And we often think of prayer as a kind of exchange. Right? If I say the right words, if I feel the right feeling, if I dedicate enough time to prayer, then God's going to give me what I ask for. And so our temptation is always to turn prayer into a game we play with God. God, I will do this thing for you if you will do something for me. God, I will speak the right words, and God, you will give me the right answer. Even in our Lutheran heritage, we have the story of young Martin Luther praying like this. The story goes that he was, on, he was leaving university on his way home uh, where he was studying law, and he got caught in a big thunderstorm on his way home. And so Luther, who was discerning his future, cries out in the middle of the thunderstorm, Saint Anne, save me, and I will become a monk. And of course, he's spared and he becomes a monk. But you see the exchange mentality. Save me, God, and I'll do something great for you. 
But what Paul reminds us is that that's exactly the wrong way to pray. Instead, God wants us to pray as his dear children, for which he will withhold nothing. This kind of prayer is the fruit of faith, because it's based on nothing but trusting in God's loving kindness. And so what God does, knowing that on our own, that we will be terrible at this kind of praying, is that he prays for us through the Holy Spirit. God knows that our faith is often too insufficient for true prayer. We are terrible at praying, knowing that God's loving kindness is for us. And so God gives us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks God prom God's promises back to God, and God makes good on his promises to us. And so our prayers are never an exchange with God. Instead, they are an acknowledgement of God's promises. When we pray, we simply remind God all that he has promised to do for us. And when we are terrible at this, and we're often terrible at this, God literally takes the words we need and he prays them for us so that his promises to us are always on his mind. He doesn't forget them. And so this means even if you are terrible at prayer, even when you're a spiritual mess, God is going to make good on his promises anyway. God is going to give you what's good for you, even when you don't know how to ask for it. And so even in the lowest parts of our life, when we're struggling with grief, or we're in pain, or we're angry, or we don't know what to say, what to do, God is doing it for you. He is praying for you, and it requires nothing on your part. He does it all. And this gives us an impetus for living with hope in the world. Because we cannot mess it up. The Holy Spirit is praying for us even when we don't know how to pray. The second truth Paul points to here is that we can live in hope in this world because God has predestined, called, justified, and glorified us. And these things are all synonyms. And these things are all things that God has accomplished for us through the work of Christ and applied to us through the Holy Spirit. And what we notice here is that God is the doer of all these verbs. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. God predestines us. God calls us. God justifies us. God glorifies us. God doesn't just give us a little nudge and say, figure it out on your own. God doesn't say, I've made all the conditions of the world right. Now you get to make a decision for yourself. Instead, God does it all for us. He saves you, and this he does through the means of grace in the church, through the Holy Spirit who sends you a preacher to give you the gospel, through the Spirit who applies God's promises to you in the waters of your baptism, through the Spirit who brings Christ to you in Holy Communion for the forgiveness of your sins, through the Spirit who shows you the sins in your heart so that you can hear the words of forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit he opens your ears, he opens your heart, so that you can hear God's word. And in doing that, you are justified. That's what God does for you. And this is the basis of hope in this world, and the basis of your confidence to turn to death and all the powers of this world and say, you are nothing to me. Because, as St. Paul writes, if God is for us, who is against us? God has chosen to save you. 
God has spared nothing, even his own son, to save you. And what are the powers of this world compared to the love of God? They are nothing. And so if God does this for us, then we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, because God spares nothing to save us. This doesn't mean, and this verse sometimes is misused, it doesn't mean that we go to those who are currently suffering and say, don't worry about it, this is for your own good. We don't dismiss the true pain and suffering of this world and the grief that goes with the pain of this world. We don't try to explain away suffering. We don't try to explain away grief. We don't try to explain away the question of why evil things happen in our life and why bad things happen. And we don't speculate and try to assign meaning to these things. Instead, we follow Paul's lead here. And in the midst of suffering, we turn to the gospel and we say, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know why I'm going through this pain. But I do know that God is not going to abandon me in this suffering. Instead, God's goodness is very real, even in the midst of suffering. There, there is confidence that no matter what bad things happen to me, God is for me. Thus, I can face things knowing that God has saved me. And if God has saved me, he's not going to let me slip through his fingers. I am his. And finally, Paul proclaims that we can have hope in this world because Christ is at the right hand of God interceding for us. The right hand of God is not a geographic place on a map, but rather it's a way to talk about God's power. A person's power, their force, is in their right hand. A king's authority comes when he lifts his right hand. And that is where Christ is, residing in God's power. And so what Paul is saying, what he's writing here, is that Christ is not using God's power against us. Instead, Christ is using God's power for us. He is at the right hand of God now, not condemning us to death, not punishing us for the guilt of our sin, but speaking on our behalf. Christ is our advocate, our friend, and he is the one who's going to present us to God the Father. And he's doing so in the very power of God working for us. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no death sentence. There's no power in this world working against you that God's power is not greater than. And instead, what there is is assurance. Assurance that we are heirs and children of God. We are heirs to a great inheritance as ones who belong to God. And so what we've seen in Romans 8 is that there are promises declared to us that are the basis of our hope. These are the promises that allow us to live in the world of suffering without despairing. We have the promise that the Holy Spirit is bringing our prayers to God. Even when we don't know what to pray, he is praying for us. We have the promise that God himself has justified us. Apart from our own works, he saves us. And we have the promise now that Christ sits in God's power, not in judgment over you, but in love for you. And Christ, who sits in God's power, is the one who is faithfully going to bring you to God. And so we come back to these promises often. 
Bookmark Romans 8 in your brain, in your heart. Bookmark it in your Bible. And come back to these promises often. Because when the suffering and pain of this world are real, when doubts arise, when the uncertainties of life are knocking at your door, hold on to these very promises of God. Because these promises are for you. These promises are God's promises, so they are certain. If God in Christ Jesus is for you, who can stand against you? Amen.